The Courage to Lead, episode 201. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Lisa Simone Richards. Lisa Simone Richards is a PR and visibility strategist for online coaches who want to get seen everywhere. Through her free workshops, masterclasses, and mentorship program, she gives you the insider secrets on how to get exposure and reach more people without spinning your wheels on social media or wasting money on Facebook ads. On weekends, you could find her playing in the kitchen with her husband, petting all the dogs in the park, and watching way too many fashion styling videos on YouTube. <laughs> Lisa Simone, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this chat with you. No, this is excellent. Um, so playing in the kitchen, do you like to cook? Oh, okay. So fun fact, I was listening to a previous episode where you asked a guest, you know, if you could do anything else in your career, what would it be? And I was like, I know my answer. I would absolutely be a chef. Do you have a specialty dish or a recipe? Yeah, actually, fun fact on my dating profile on Bumble, where my husband and I met, it said that I think I, I think I wrote down there that I make the best shrimp scampi and I will totally own that since high school and I make it on the regular and he loves it. It's pretty good. Excellent. Very cool. That's one of my favorite dishes. All right. We're going to come back and talk about all this and more, how you got your start, right? How you got to where you are today, who you work with and how you help them. But before we get started. I've got 10 questions that I like to ask each one of my guests. So uh, listeners know these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actress Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So Lisa, if you're ready, 10 questions for you. Let's do it. What is your favorite word? Hmm. I feel so on the spot with it. What is my favorite word? I think I say 100% all the time. And I'm just always in that <laughs> affirmative, 100%, like you're in or you're not. Okay. What is your least favorite word? Um, straight off the top of my head, harvester. We drove past a street called harvester, but for some reason I couldn't read it properly. And I said harvester out loud. And my husband made so much fun of me. And I actually bought a package from that road. And I was like, oh, I'll never live that down. Harvester. Very cool. Uh, what turns you on? Ooh, food. Any conversation about food. If someone talks about traveling and we talk about food, that's always where I go. Food, 100%. Excellent. 100%. Yes. What, there it is. <laughs> there it is. What turns you off? Math. Super easy, that one. Perfect. No, no hesitation. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? My cat Peaches, the purr that he makes as soon as I pet him is amazing. My husband's like, he's not jealous, but he'll pet the cat and the cat's happy. But as soon as I touch him, Peaches has that purr and it's just like, oh, I'm your mom. Yep. What sound or noise do you hate? Bless. Love my mom to pieces. I was at her house earlier this week and uh, I recorded a podcast interview while I was there. And she has a clock that chimes out a song every hour on the hour. So if I'm starting a call, I will literally start at 12.01 just to let that clock do its thing. But it came on mid podcast and then you have to explain, okay, there's this clock. And so I love my mom, but that clock, I, I could live without hearing it ever again. 
Yeah. Fun fact. Whenever we go to visit my my mother-in-law, my wife, first thing she does when she goes in is turns the clock off and stops the chimes and everything like that. Yeah. We have to remember to reset it when we, <laughs> when we leave, but yeah, same thing. I'm with you. All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? Ooh, okay. We're going to take this back to mom again. So no, this is not my pin anymore, anybody for my bank card. But if my mom was using my bank card, I would tell her just go spell out duck on the pin pad. That's the password. <laughs> she probably didn't borrow that that often then, right? Nope. Yeah. Very good. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, okay. So I did have a little answer to that before cook. I would love to mm -hmm. play in a kitchen all day, but if I wasn't cooking all day, I would definitely be playing hair, makeup and fashion all day. So I'd be a hairstylist, <laughs> makeup artist, fashion stylist. Uh, that would be like, just living in a Sephora would be my joy. <laughs> okay. Um, what profession would you not like to do? Let's take it back to math, taxes and accounting. I was talking to an accountability partner this morning and saying how grateful I am to be able to pay hundreds of dollars a month to my bookkeeping firm. Not because I love sending that money out the door, but because, gosh, if I had to do it myself, whoo, no, bless, yeah. take it, please go. I am with you 100%. All right, final question. Ah, you're doing it too. <laughs> 100%. You got me started. Sorry. All right, final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh man, this is the worst answer, but it completely is honest and just came to mind. There's an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> and shrimp scabby better be I'm on the sure list, if I right? thought about it, I'd have something way deeper. <laughs> but first thing, it would be all-you-can-eat buffet or there are puppies everywhere. Or both. It's heaven, right? And they can eat from the buffet. So yeah. There you go. Perfect. Love it. All right, Lisa, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start. Um, how you uh, work with people, who you work with, how you help them, and at some point transition into courage and leadership, right? Excited. So listeners will be talking about all of that and probably a lot more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Lisa Simone Richards. Lisa, thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Really appreciate it. Um, so as a child, did you know you wanted to go into PR? I didn't know what PR was at the time, but I I, well, we just picked a different word there. Did you see where I was going? I absolutely knew I would do something that was involved in the media. Um, every summer, the library would host a reading competition, a poetry competition. It got to the point where one year they just asked me, could you please not enter? You get first every single year for the last <laughs> few years. Let's give somebody else a shot. Um, and a really formative moment for sure is anyone who's listened to me on a podcast before may have heard this story. But I remember I had a subscription to Teen People magazine and I saw the letters to the editor section. Mm. And I thought that it was so cool that you could write a letter 
mail it in, <laughs> email what? Uh, mail it in with a stamp and you could see your letter in print uh, or your words in print anyways. So I wrote a letter to the editor, I mailed it off. And a few months later, when it came home, Jonathan Taylor Thomas from Home Improvement was on the cover, my total teen, like teen years heartthrob crush. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I saw my letter to, to the editor inside and I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. And that was my first taste of the media. And even for years after that, people were always like, Lisa, you should be in front of the camera. But I never had that desire to, I love being in the background. So fast forward to first year university. Um, and I was having lunch with a girl who was in fourth year university and about to graduate. And she shared with me that when she came back to Toronto, she would be going to PR school. Hmm. Now this is in 2002, Sex in the City was in its heyday. And one of the main characters, Samantha Jones was a PR person, a PR pro publicist. And she just made it look so cool. There was all this fashion and beauties and parties and restaurants. And I was like that, I could do that all day long. So again, I'm totally, it's interesting to trace back and see the things that I say today were still 18 year old Lisa back then. Um, so from first year, I did just immersed myself into the world of PR because at that point, it was literally harder to get into PR school than it was to get into med school. So I wanted to make sure that I had an incredible resume that like just blew me out of the water and which it did. I got in fast forward, spoiler alert. Um, but I ended up volunteering on student council, the student fashion, the charity fashion show in my sorority, taking all kinds of PR and communications roles. And um, yeah, worked in fashion and beauty for a few years, worked in an agency where I had uh, clients like Staples, Virgin Mobile, and Crayola, and then started working with small businesses to really see an impact on what PR can do for the bottom line, taking one company from 400,000 a year to 4 million. And then oh. since then, I've been obsessed with showing small businesses exactly how to create those kind of results. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. So I, I read on your, uh, your LinkedIn profile, you've got a bachelor's degree in sociology and politics. How has yeah, that I helped you? Yeah. I actually, you know what, I wanted to minor in comparative literature and my mom was like, and you're going to do what with that? So I did want to do that, but we, you know, they had advertising and sociology. So I did that. But what really did help was that I did a writing certificate at along with my undergrad degree. Mm -hmm. So the writing, I use that all day long. The sociology degree, couldn't tell you anything about it. My politics minor, pff, <laughs> nope, nothing. All I know is that the prof wore uh, Simpsons ties all the time. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Fun fact, they could come up on a, a quiz somewhere, right? Um, so public relations, when people think of PR, a lot of times they think of the big mega companies, right? Coca-Cola, Delta, things like that. But PR isn't just for the big companies. The, the small entrepreneurs could use some PR help too every once in a while. No matter what stage of business you're in, if people don't know that you exist, they're not going to be able to work with you and you can be the best at what you do. But if you're the best kept secret, that helps nobody. So when you're thinking, when a lot of people think about PR, especially from that corporate perspective that you just mentioned with Delta, and I love that you brought that up because that's not a conversation that really does come up typically on podcast. So this is fantastic that we can have it from this level. You know, when I think about corporate PR, we've got crisis communications, we've got like brand management, we've got image control, public persona, there's way more than media relations. You know, media relations is one aspect of public relations. But that even baseline of the media relations is so key for any business, like how the public perceives you absolutely matters, making sure that they know who you are is 100% imperative. So maybe you don't necessarily need a crisis comms department, but getting visibility is absolutely key. And I think a myth is that a lot of people feel like, ooh, well, I have to be working with some fancy agency like the one I used to be at. And we would say, wonderful. We would love 
to work with you, Virgin Mobile. It's going to be $10,000 a month on a 12 month retainer. Just say here. And that intimidates a lot of people sure. from even considering it. But the truth is when you just learn a few key principles, you can lather, rinse and repeat them yourself. You can train someone in your team to be able to do it. And one thing I love about PR is that the strategies that I learned 20 years ago, because I've been doing this for 20 years now, the strategies and the principles 100% still apply today. The platforms may have changed mm -hmm. back then. You know, when we had clients, I'll, I'll always remember, we, I can't remember which client it was. And I probably even shouldn't drop a name on this one, but we got them featured on, you know, a print, a magazine's digital arm. We got them on the website and they were like, that's cute, but we really want it to be in the print issue. And can hmm. you imagine someone saying that today? Like, no, it's a complete opposite. Oh, print, that's cute. But like, who buys magazines anymore? Right. We'd rather be on the website for SEO and for trackability, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's really great to see how even though the platforms have evolved from, you know, traditional newspapers and radio all the way up to TikTok and Pinterest, mm -hmm. those platforms, the principles have stayed the same. Interesting. So uh, what is the difference between PR and just marketing? Okay, another like really elevated question here. Um, so public relations is really about getting earned media. And really briefly, I'll distill it into there are three types of media. And most people think about paid media. So that's your Facebook ads, your Google ads, we're familiar mm -hmm. with that. And, you know, again, throwing back to 20 years ago, I'm going to just date myself this entire episode. Um, back in the day, the paid media wasn't what it is now. You would throw a billboard up by the highway, hope mm -hmm. the right person saw it. You wouldn't necessarily know if traffic came from that billboard unless you know we had a really specific geographical campaign going on whereas now we can go into facebook and plug in i'm looking for a female between these ages who lives in this city with these interests it's so powerful that we can do nice. that and and the second we turn off our ad spend our content is gone and paid media mm -hmm. is something that literally anybody can do. It does not make you special. You're just like anyone else with a credit card. Mm -hmm. um, social media, of course, that's a huge part of the conversation these days, um, getting on whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook groups, LinkedIn. Um, but it's fantastic to have an opportunity to have a platform where you can communicate what you want to, when you want to, how you want to. 10 years ago, maybe more like 15, 20 years ago, when we didn't have those outlets, if you had a message you wanted to communicate, you were at the whim of an editor, a producer who had the access to that audience. Now we can do it ourselves. But again, it's net noisy. Everybody is doing it. Um, it doesn't make you special. But earned media, public relations falls under this umbrella. This is the opportunity to get access to somebody's platform Typically, nine times out of 10, you're not actually paying for this access. It's because you're showing up with value that you're being interviewed on TV or on a podcast, cough, cough, um, or doing a guest blog post for somebody else. Right. But what you're really doing with earned media or public relations, as we're talking about, is getting access to that opportunity that not just anybody has. And that opportunity is leveraging someone else's platform to get in front of new people. And it's also giving you credibility. It's giving you an endorsement because not just anybody would get those opportunities. Now with marketing, on the other hand, I had to like think real hard to make sure I brought it back to the original question. And I'm curious how many listeners are going to slow this down to half speed because I go lightning fast. <laughs> um, it drives my mom crazy. Um, with marketing, on the other hand, that's a, um, that's more of the push strategy, the internal, like, you know, the positioning, the branding, the messaging, which, of course, is going to tie into public relations. Mm -hmm. But that's some more of the core branding stuff you're doing internally versus what is the perception? What am I communicating to the external world and internal stakeholders? Nice. No, I think that's a great explanation. 
Um, you talked about crisis management. That's where PR really comes in because a lot of times something will happen um, and, and you probably have stories of things that have happened to different corporations and businesses freeze. They think, well, if we ignore it, it'll go away. And that's not always the best case, right? Tell me about some of the things that have happened, things you've covered in the past. I have one heck of a crisis communication story for you. Um, <clears throat> and this was a real example of teamwork. Like when I think about this story, like I get goosebumps because I'm so proud of how we handled it as a company. So I shared earlier that I worked with a company that I helped to take from 400,000 a year to 4 million a year. A large part of that went to the visibility that we had, the branding that we created. Even though it was a really competitive time in that space, like we stood out, people would get on our wait list. They didn't care what we charged. So long story short, it was a fit company. And, you know, I, I double dipped. I was their PR person by day and I instructed fitness classes by evening. And one night, whether I was instructing or not, I remember getting a text message from another instructor that somebody had died at their workout. Ooh. Okay. Like, I mean, what, what could be worse? Yeah. What could be worse? Um, so, I mean, there's a huge opportunity, like, of course, number one, first and foremost, we're talking about a person. How are we communicating this to their family? How are we investigating what happened? Why it happened? Was there something that could have been prevented? Um, and then of course we do have to look at the branding for the company. Like tomorrow they're going to be pages, you know, front page above the fold in the newspaper that don't do X, Y, Z workout because people die there. Um, so, you know, and this was a company we were all under 30 years old at this point. So I would say we had incredible maturity on our parts handling this. But that I remember the CEO, the VP and myself were on calls just like making sure, okay, this was a traumatic event. We need to make sure we have grief counseling available for the people who are there and experience that. Um, let's get in front of having a conversation with the family to understand what happened. Um, was there like a medical history or something we should be aware of? Let's make sure we have a statement ready to go just in case anything comes up in the morning. And um, long story short, um, it turned out that this individual had a, a pre-existing condition and it could have happened in the grocery store. It just so happened that it was, at, wow. you know, this workout. It had nothing to do with an elevated heart rate or anything like that. Um, but in terms of handling the crisis and making sure that, you know, we thought about people first and then the company after and we were proactively prepared for everything we did i want to say such a good job because again the core of the story there was tragedy at the center of it but we did such a good job and from a pr and a communications perspective that the individual's cousin ended up becoming an instructor and working with our company well, what are the chances that would happen after exactly. a significant life-changing <laughs> event like that so um i think that said a lot about who we are as a company who we were as a company because that company no longer exists but the fact that you know where something could be easy to place blame on. Like there was so much transparency and communication. Everyone was taken care of like that. That was a, that was a really big win from a crisis communications perspective. Nice. So with the, the leaders and companies you work with, what do they get wrong when it comes to their, their PR or what are they missing? Uh, one of the first things is making it all about them. Like whether it's a small company or a huge company, um, same same fitness uh, company we'll talk about in this uh, this example as well. Um, one of the things that the company was founded upon, one of our big like promises is we don't like to wake up early in the morning. All our classes are in the evening. And then like one day the CEO decided we're going to do morning classes. She's like, put out a press release about it. I'm like, people work out in the morning all the time. Nobody cares that you have morning classes. Um, so I get to have the fantastic job of telling people that their ideas are 
I was going to say stupid, but let's dress that up with some lipstick, um, that their ideas aren't media worthy. And then I have to find a way to like shift that around and come to a happy middle with them. Another really good example of that is I was working with a bricks and mortar uh, chiropractic clinic run by identical twin brothers. What are the chances? Kind of like property brothers of chiropractics. <laughs> and I started working with them in 2015. This is when we all started getting front facing, front facing cameras on our mm -hmm. phones. And so I remember the twins had said to me, you know, like we should pitch something around elbow and wrist alignment. Like what's happening to people that they're taking all these pictures all the time. And I was like, I love you guys. That is so boring. If I was watching television and that came up on the news, it's time to go get a snack. I'd call my mom, <laughs> like, but I wouldn't be so ooh, elbow and wrist alignment coming up at seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what was a cool opportunity there is lover or hater, that doesn't matter. Um, Kim Kardashian was in the UK that week and she had reportedly taken 1500 selfies. So that we went to the media and would said, you know, Kim Kardashian took 1500 selfies. What was that doing to her elbows and wrists? They were like, that's a cool story. It go. ended up being national morning news. It ended up being picked <laughs> up by local radio. It got picked up by a national magazine. And the guys ended up becoming a monthly contributor to that magazine for years to come. So it's very challenging and fun to tell people that their ideas are boring because they're self-absorbed with love. I know they mean the best, love, yeah. um, but I get to come in there and be like, okay, how can we actually make this something people would care about? Nice. But that's that, the, the, the exposure you're talking about, right? You put something out saying, oh, this is just a blog post, but suddenly it takes on a life of its own. And then you start benefiting from that, right? Getting called on morning programs, radio programs, things like that. So this is where I love to make the distinction between content and visibility, because I feel like a lot of people are creating content and they're doing that, putting it on their own blog. But when you're putting content on your blog, on your social media platforms, the only people who see it are your existing networks, are the people in your world. It's not content that's going to reach new people. Mm -hmm. So what I love to encourage people to do is, listen, you're already making content. Why don't we pitch it to somebody else's audience? So now the same work you would have done otherwise, we're leveraging someone else's platform to reach new people because we constantly need to be bringing new people into our funnel. And if we stop filling the top of the funnel, guess what's going to happen at the bottom? We're not mm. going to have the sales. So we need to consciously be mindful of making sure we're reaching new people. We're getting exposure. We're getting visibility. And I, so many times I hear people say, you know, I'm creating all this content and content is king. I'm doing stories on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, right, you're pitching the same 200, one thousand however many people over right. and over again you need to broaden your audience interesting so yeah so that visibility is important it's getting outside of your your normal right followers and and getting out in other media right to expose yourself to, to other folks what is one of the best ways for people to do that then are there are there areas that they can because I, I know some friends that have posted their blogs on things like medium right that goes out to a, a bigger audience is that the type of thing you're you're talking about so here's how I'm going to reframe that one in an answer. Um, I like to think about supporting people with moving up what I call the ladder of publicity so that they can build a healthy media mix. And here's what I mean by a healthy media mix. I'll even just give you an example. People like to consume content in different ways. Um, we're, you were sharing earlier in my introduction that my husband and I love to play in the kitchen. Mm. A recipe that we make maybe every two, three months, don't know it that well off the back of my hand, is um, a Thai red curry. We found mm. it on YouTube. So when we're making this recipe, 
I put it on YouTube, I play it, I pause it, I do the thing that the lady did, and then I play the video again, pause, and I just keep doing that on repeat until we're done. Um, we've watched that video about five or six times now. My husband's like, I hate her accent. She's driving me crazy. Can we please just read the blog post on how to do this? Like, we don't need to watch the video. So the point of that is we want to get to the same destination, but we have different ways of wanting to get there. And we have to remember that our ideal clients are the exact same way. So some people will enjoy watching content. Some people will prefer to listen to it. Others want to read the content. So how can we be mindful of showing up in at least one written platform, one audio platform, and one visual platform so that no matter how people like to get their content, they're finding us, but even taking a step further from that, before you hire anyone, before you order dinner, guess what we're doing? We're Googling things. Like, it's not just like, oh, I heard that. I'm going to go buy it now. Like, if you can also make sure you're on one of each of those three types of media, now when someone searches your name, you're not just showing up on your own platforms. You're showing up in different places, nice. which helps to establish your credibility and authority and help that customer feel an added sense of security and trust when they're considering making that next step with you. Nice. Very cool. So who do you work with? Who's your ideal client? What a fun time to be asking that question as I'm going through a transition right now. Are we're you? always evolving, aren't we? Okay. Yes. So for the last, uh, you know, the first first four years of my business, I was working primarily with health, fitness, and wellness business owners, um, whether they were online coaches or they had bricks and mortar studios, because I had that result with another fitness company. Of course, a lot of people in the same industry gravitated sure. towards me. Um, I then shifted to working with online business owners, primarily a lot of coaches, because a huge part of my passion is sharing with people that this is a lot easier than you think, and you totally can do it yourself. Um, there's a few things more gratifying for me than when I can see the first client that I worked with back in 2015 is still booking national television segments every month because wow. she knows how to do it and she's not paying a PR agency for it. Nice. Um, so now what I'm also evolving into is I do want to help more of those like mid-tier businesses at that 500,000 plus mark. And the way I want to disrupt the PR world this time, because, you know, at first I was just giving away the secret, sorry, publicist, like I'm just telling people how you do it. Um, I just heard the vacuum come, but I'm going to keep finishing the sentence before we pause okay. this thought. Um, <laughs> um, one of the things, the way I want to disrupt the industry now is I want to show people that this is a lot easier than you think. So beyond just teaching people how to do it, now as I work with 500 to um, a million, 500,000 to a million mark in revenue companies, I want to not only work with them for six months to help them get visibility, but I want to train someone on their team. So now they no longer have to pay that, you know, $10,000 a month, 12 month retainer, spend six months bringing that knowledge and power in-house, have someone in your team trained in the systems and processes. And now at this point, all I need to do is a VIP day and do the strategy with them. Excellent. So during the introduction, I said that you have offer free workshops and master classes. What are some of those programs you have? Oh, okay. This is fine because now those are in evolution too. So for the last year, I've offered a two-day intensive called the Get the Word Out Workshop. And this is primarily for small business owners, and it teaches them how to understand the difference between content and visibility, get clear on their message, figure out exactly where they need to get publicity, and then also develop the confidence to put themselves out there. Nice. Because I can teach anyone, I can give someone Oprah's email address, but if they don't feel confident putting themselves out there, they're not going to do it. So now, as I'm shifting my audience, we're looking at the evolution of that. I have an idea for the name of it. I'm not going to drop it just yet, but I'm looking forward to repositioning this for a small, medium businesses that are now in that 500 to a million mark because their problems are different. 
Excellent. And I love what you were saying about teaching somebody inside to do that. That's one thing we try to do in our consulting. Like, you know, a lot of the big consulting companies will come in and kind of sprout roots. And next thing you know, they're taking over everything. I always felt my job was to work myself out of a job. Come in, lay the groundwork, teach somebody to do that, and slowly back out into the the shadows so they could take over. That's exactly the same philosophy I have as well. I love the concept of teaching someone to fish. And what's even really cool is I have a strategy that I use for pitching podcasts on the regular. I have a virtual, a second virtual assistant who supports me with this. And she is so well-trained in this skill that we don't have conversations anymore. It's just a Google doc that gets passed back and forth. It's a system, but she's got this skill that she's using to serve other clients with too now. And I think that's really rewarding. Like it's great to be able to teach a company to do it, of course, but how cool is it that I supported someone with a skill that's growing her own business just from a VA perspective? Nice. Very cool. So you use mainly, uh, mainly virtual assistants or do you have any people on your team full-time? This is going to be another growth edge. You're asking all the right questions, Coach Harlan. So um, I do currently work with contractors, but as I'm scaling, as I'm growing this bigger service, more of course, I'm going to need more support. I'm going to be looking at hiring teams. So my stretch for 2022 is hiring my first employee, which sounds a little terrifying because I'm in Canada and I'll probably hire some from the States and now there's international law involved. So <laughs> you know what? It's nothing I can't handle. Exactly. It's a growth edge. Exactly. Very cool. If I was to bump in any of these folks that you work with um, and ask them uh, about what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? Probably gonna, someone's going to definitely tell you that I'm direct. Um, what is the term that I was, so I did a leadership program back in 2019 that was super powerful. Um, I actually happened to meet my husband three days before I went into this course. So I'm like, man, you met someone completely different on the other side. Um, but we did, we were putting ourselves into quadrants to see what type of leaders we are. And I fell in under the category of controlling analyzer. And I think that sounds completely accurate. Um, my husband drove me to the airport the other day and I was like, as he's walking to his car, I'm like, oh, let's take Mark my car and I'll drive. Like that, that's just who I am. <laughs> that's fun. Um, so courage then, let's talk about courage. Uh, we talk a lot on the on the show about courage. The uh, where do people find the courage to leave that comfort zone of the nine to five job to start their own success? Where do you find the courage to uh, overcome the the setbacks like the divorce, the bankruptcy, illness, death? Uh, where do you find the courage to keep going? Um, so one of the questions I like to ask is for you: Where did you get your courage? Where did that come from? I don't know that this is the most inspirational answer. It could be for some people. There's just no other choice. Right now I'm reading a book called The Power of Decision. And just with anything that arises, like, okay, are you going to have a success mindset toward this? Are you going to have a failure mindset towards this? And however you like, and I don't mean to say that from, say that from a zero empathy or zero compassion sort of place, because that's certainly not the intention, but just okay, there's two ways that this can go. Like, which one am I betting on? How am I going to bet on myself? Um, when you talk about uh, the courage to leave the nine to five, I remember August 23rd, that was the date that I wrote on my 2015 calendar, uh, quitting five months before my birthday. It was September. I was still at mm. my desk. Um, that wasn't courage. That was a, a call into my VP's office with HR there. And I was like, oh, this is happening. Ooh. Well, thank <laughs> goodness I have a side hustle that already matches my <laughs> corporate income. It's not going to kill me. Yeah. But I mean, do you have other entrepreneurs in your family? 
that you kind of got that entrepreneurial spirit from? There's one thing that I always remember my dad said, um, my dad had a full-time job and he did have a part-time, like a, what does we call a side hustle these days? Mm-hmm. And one thing he always said to me is you're never going to work for anyone. You're going to have your own business. And, um, well, he was wrong with never working for anyone. I certainly have had many jobs in my life, but I feel like that's one thing that just stuck with me. And I think ever since I was little, it was like, oh, okay, that, that is truth. That is all. One day I will have my own business. Nice. The prophecy. Here we are. There you are. <laughs> Very cool. Um, and so I know I asked you before in your, uh, if there was a, a career you'd want and you said, be a cook, you would like that, but you'd also like to be one of those fashion stylish people. Yeah. Is that something you uh, may get into later? Um, yeah. I mean, people come to me for advice and feedback. Um, no, I don't know if I would, you know what, once here's something powerful that I learned as much as I say, I might like to become a cook or a stylist or whatever. When I was younger, my favorite place in the world, like every summer was Canada's Wonderland. So mm-hmm. it, not quite Disney world. Like, you know, these were like real roller coasters and what not. Um, but as soon as I remember this commercial would come on probably around May for seasons passes. And as soon as it came on, I was like, mom, it's seasons past time. Um, and then when I was 16, I got a job at Candace Wonderland and I've never been back since. <laughs> so I would be very, very careful and weary about mixing yeah. the things that I absolutely love doing for my own pleasure with work. I'm so lucky that I love PR, but I also intentionally came into this industry knowing I want to do this for work. And I've had the fantastic opportunity to take my skills and pair mm. them with the things that I love. So things that people may not know about me is I bullied my way into three internships, um, one at a beauty company. I saw the founder on the cover of the alum magazine from the university I went to. And I was like, hi, Heather, love your company. Would love to be your PR intern. We're not hiring interns right now. That's cool. I want to be your PR intern. So like, when can I come in for an interview? And by the end of four months, she offered me a job and I worked there while I was going to PR school. So I got to play beauty products. Um, I interned in the beauty department at Fashion Magazine. So that was a little column A and column B. So the things that I've personally enjoyed, I have mixed into business. And I really enjoy having a translatable skill that anything I love, I can bring PR to it. Um, nice. Having worked with a fitness company, I ended up becoming a trainer. I love fitness and it's cool that I can do that now. Um, I won't say which fast food restaurant this is because I kind of do work behind the scenes for them, but I love to eat um, fried chicken. Not going to say which company, but I get to do some work for them behind the scenes too. So like, nice. I get to actually do some of my favorite stuff, but from a PR spin. That's awesome. But it's having that courage to get out and actually put yourself out there, right? Like you said, a lot of people, you see somebody from your college or university, oh, they're so successful, wouldn't dream of sending them an email and saying, hey, I'd love to work for you. That takes courage. Let's call it courage. That sounds much nicer than only child syndrome. Um, (laughs) I didn't get a lot of no's from my parents growing up. And honestly, like I see that as such a blessing because it taught me tenacity. I'm very used to, but for as awful as that sounds, I'm used to getting what I want and I pull that into adulthood with me. I have a drive and an ambition that if I want something, no is just not an option that I'm very familiar with at all. That is awesome. Very cool. Good stuff. So you've got the the new um, focus coming up in the business. What else is on the horizon for you? What else is on the horizon for me? So yeah, just the repositioning, the rebranding is taking up a lot of my time right now. Um, Something that's 
very interesting is, you know, we were saying earlier for how I'm analyzing or no controlling analyzer. Sorry, I'm someone who's really into mechanics. Um, but right now I'm really diving into the mindset stuff. Um, I've always seen the importance of it. But again, I'm someone who's just very obsessed with what's the end goal and the result. How do I reverse engineer that? And I'm starting to lean a lot more into, OK, like what are the thoughts, the subconscious that's going on here? How are we controlling the story? So that's something I'm very excited to continue playing around with exploring because it's something I always believed in the power of, but I would probably dismiss as fluffy. And now I'm spending a lot more time in that space and excited for the personal growth along the way. Very nice. And I know uh, because of a lot of the political things that are going on in the country, a lot of businesses are looking for how do we either protect ourselves or get out in front of this, right? And and say kind of what our, our deal is, how we're going to handle things and stuff. Have you been approached by companies to help them? You know what? I haven't. And it's really interesting because there's, I think it's Shalene Johnson who on social media, like, I mean, especially when the George Floyd episode, when that the George Floyd went down, um, you know, everyone was, ex- even people who didn't say one thing one way or another, they were getting in trouble for not bringing it up. And there was such a pressure to have to talk about, you know, where you stand on these things. And I really love that one entrepreneur that I followed Shalene Johnson, who I mentioned, mm-hmm. I love that she was like, you actually kind of don't. Like, if you want to and you're compelled to and that's your stand, go for it. And if you don't want to, that's okay too. And, you know, I, I've worked with a coach who she has different views from me, and that's okay. We get to be different people. Um, but then she started shoving them down my throat and I started to get annoyed and I couldn't listen to it anymore. Yeah. And I work with another coach now who actually has, well, I would imagine, the same views as the other coach. But I appreciate that it's not brought to the table 24-7. You know, I'm, I'm here to get one specific result from you. I have friends and colleagues who I can have those other conversations with. So I think it's one of those to each their own. I don't think everyone should have to be forced to do it if you're compelled sure. to and you have a strong stand. Absolutely. And if that's not the thing you want to go into, that's okay too. Do businesses hurt themselves when they take a, a real, real strong political stand on, on no, these No, I, I honestly, I, I don't think that they do because something that I talk about regularly is you want to be a stand for something. Um, when I worked with a dating coach many moons ago, she had said, you don't want to be vanilla, like be pistachio, be something that people have an opinion on, stand out. And so many small businesses and entrepreneurs play around by the safety of being vanilla. So if you're, you know, a conscious company or you're one way or another, like scream it to the rooftop and the people who are for you will 100% be there with you. And the people who are completely against you, you were for them anyways, that's okay. And um, I remember when I used to talk on many more stages before 2020, I would often bring up a slide that was split in two and it had Donald Trump on one side and Kim Kardashian on the other. And I would always preface by saying, I don't care how you feel about either of these people on screen, but I'm really pretty confident. I'm really pretty confident. I'm very confident that you have an opinion one way or another, and it's not slight, it's visceral. And that is why these are two individuals who are at the top of their game. They know who they're for. They don't make a policy. They're not trying to bend over so that everybody likes them. You can have the confidence to do that too. Nice. Love that. Absolutely. So if people want to learn more about you and the programs you have and the things you have coming up, how can they do that? What's your website? Yeah, the best place to find all things about me is at www.lisasimonerichards.com. Usually I may have some sort of event or workshop to point people towards, but we are in a transition phase. So guaranteed anything that's coming up will definitely be on the website. And I'm sure there are going to be some free resources to opt into there, as well as some free trainings and masterclasses to get access to as I roll up my versions 2.0. Nice. Do you have a target date for when those will be available? 
Ooh, putting me on the spot here. I Absolutely. like it. Um, <laughs> yes, I do. Um, we're going to be looking at end of August because we're going to actually not even that far off. We got to be done by August the 15th because we have a new workshop coming up on September. My calendar is on the other side of this camera. Yes. We have a workshop coming up on September the 7th. So we've put it down. The dates are in stone and now we get okay. to take it out. So this Excellent. summer we're crafting and finalizing everything. Very cool. Well, I will make sure that the the links are in the show notes so people know how to get in touch with you and stuff. And yeah, we'll keep keep in touch and see how things are going with the uh, the new branding and the new message. Very cool. Good stuff. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to unveil it. I'm excited to see what it looks like. <laughs> Absolutely. Lisa, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us. Really appreciate your time. I've enjoyed this conversation. We've gotten to cover some things in the type of detail, but even from like more, yeah, detailed perspective that I don't typically get to have. So Thank you for the elevated conversation today. Absolutely. Very cool. All right. Listeners, hope you guys were taking a lot of notes, a lot of good information here. Definitely check out Lisa Simone Richards online. You're also uh, on LinkedIn. Do you have Yeah, uh, I have no idea Instagram? what the username is. Probably Lisa Simone Richards and on Instagram. Yeah, it's Lisa Simone Richards everything. We, we yeah. went for uniformity there. Perfect. All right. Yeah, easy to find you. Very good. All right. So check her out on social media and definitely keep track and look at some of those classes that are coming up. And Lisa, thanks again been fun. All right, listeners, make sure you share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan saying so long for now.